Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And like a certain number one quarterback, I'm joined by a man who will always be number one, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, Gerald. Sorry if I have a bit of an accent. Uh, I've been abroad. I, I, you know, it's it's uh, might might be a bit British, isn't it? Um, I'm kidding. I will not attempt that at all. No, it's it's uh, it felt weird, Gerald. We've been doing this for what, like six plus years, and this is my longest sabbatical from coming together with you weekly, at least once a week to uh, to talk University of Texas, all things, uh, and. It felt a little weird, you know? I, I I won't lie. It was wonderful to have a little break. I feel reinvigorated, recharged, ready to go, but uh, I missed you, buddy. It was interesting. You know, my, my breaks have all been basically like paternity leave. Uh, mine weren't probably as relaxing as a trip to Downton Abbey or whatever. <laughs> but at some point, it's good to take a break, and I'm glad you're here. It was good. It's almost like taking a break with, with I don't know, a boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes it reminds you of like what, what you have at home. Aww. Hudson helped us fill out our, our Tejas Brave quota for the month, and, uh, you know, Kamiar is always a pleasure to have on, and, you know, Andy over at Smoking Musket, it was great having all those guys, but, like, you know, it's it's good to, it's good to be here, Kyle, it's good, good to have you back. I, I missed every one of those, Kamiar is the, one of the few Sooners I, I tolerate, and, and Andy's always hilarious, and, uh, you know, one day we might have two guys who are in the same uh, nerdy uh, non-Greek fraternity at the University of Texas, both on this podcast. But I'm glad Hudson could uh, could stand in for me while I was celebrating Teos stuff across the pond. Shouts to uh, uh, our alum Angus who hosted us all and put us up in far too swanky of of digs for what we deserve and did a cool thing. But let's let's talk about things that are happening on this continent, Gerald. 
we actually are here to talk about quarterbacks, so that'll be fun. We're going to do we'll start our position previews, and we're going to talk quarterbacks. I mean, smarter people, better people, more more resource people have talked about quarterbacks. We're going to do it as well. Big 12 media days are here. It's talking season, Kyle, uh, which precedes walking season. So talking season first, then walking season. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll obviously down the 40 a lot to down in the 40, and we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So... Starting off top with the quarterbacks, uh, Bijan may have said it best uh, at Big 12 Media Days, actually, is you know, I think we have exactly what we need at quarterback. And what we need at quarterback as a Texas fan is either Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card. You know, Hudson Card has the advantage of experience. He's been around for uh, multiple off seasons, been had some live game snaps as the starting quarterback at Texas. And again, highly recruited, highly coveted quarterback, but decided to keep things at Texas. Quinn Ewers is, is almost like a prodigal son tale, not almost, is a prodigal son tale for the University of Texas, uh, was committed to the University of Texas under Tom Herman, decided to go up north to Ohio State, reclassified to play a year there, and uh, before eventually enrolling at the exact same time he always would have uh, at the University of Texas, joining it as a redshirt freshman. Uh, the difference between the two, and, and we'll talk more about this in depth, they, you know, Ewers probably has the bigger physical upside but Hudson Card has the playbook and experience advantage and so you know as we think about it the biggest question going into media days and Sark answered this is how early do you think how early is it going to become public and Sark you know said earlier than last year but as you think about last year that was a week before the opener so we don't really know how early Sark is going to make it public but like how early do you want him to make it public I think it's probably a better question there is a part of me that wonders if that statement that we will know earlier means we know right now but we're, we're not going to say that to either the guys definitively or certainly to the media or to the fans um for reasons that make sense right like you know we're, we're talking about a two quarterback uh, battle but an interesting thing i was thinking about is who's going to be qb3 even right so if if one of these guys decides that they're not in the equation and you have an injury, it, it, it gets real dicey real quick. Um, so ideally you want both of these players engaged right up until the season, right up until, um, you know, you have uh, the ability to have two, two good quarterback. But in my brain, I do think that there is a, a favorite, a quarterback who I think the coaches want to take the reins and take over and lead this team and let it be his team. And I think it's Quinn Ewers. And and I don't know that we are going out on a limb and, and saying that and, and, you know, saying anything revolutionary that's going to get us quote tweeted or anything like that. I, I think the general consensus is the upside of Quinn Ewers, you know, matched only by Vince Young and Arch Manning, um, according to the recruiting ratings, is just is, is off the charts. Um, the growth curve, you know, unusual for an 18-year-old arriving on UT campus for the first time not that long ago. Um, he had a different journey getting there, but a special talent. And, and again, if he wasn't here, we'd be talking about the, the certainly incredible things that Hudson Card did in high school and his talent. We have seen a little bit more of Hudson. He's the experienced one, but remember experience, I think, means starting two games. So yes, Hudson knows the playbook. Yes, he's been in the system, but it still isn't as though we have a fifth-year senior and then a kid who transferred, you know, while skipping his senior year and ultimately made his way as an 18-year-old. It's a little bit different than that. They're a little bit closer to start with, and again, I think the ceiling of a player like Quinn Ewers, who we saw what hard 
Card what Card couldn't do, and that's not to say he can't grow and he can't be a phenomenal quarterback in, in, in the system. But you 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 know the things that neither Casey Thompson or Card could do last year, you you will take some of the lumps and the growing pains to know, like in spring game, those throws that Quinn Ewers can make. That there's probably only a handful of college level quarterbacks in the country who can get up and, and make that from different arm angles, from different places in the pocket, from different slots um, over the top, across the middle. He kind of has everything that you could ever want in arm talent. It's just a matter of between the ears and between the tackles, right? Does he have the presence to get the ball out into his playmakers? But I, I don't know if it means he will start Louisiana Monroe game one week one, and he is our starting quarterback, but I, we've said it before. I think by the midway point in the season, if you do a check-in, I think, Quinn Ewers is going to be your starting quarterback. Yeah, and, and you know, when we talk about I, – I queued myself up for this one. It's like throwing yourself an alley-oop off the backboard. But the thing that is the differentiator between the two, right, is normally the experienced guy gets the, the nod, and the guy that knows the system better usually uh, is better equipped to compete. But, uh, one, you know, Hudson Card's experience does give him an edge, but, you know, learning the playbook and getting game experience is something that, that can happen. And it's it's easier to increase your game knowledge and your processing speed and your ability to make those decisions than it is to increase your arm strength and your downfield ability to push the ball. And, and that's not a shot at Hudson Card. Again, the, like Hudson Card was a massive recruiting win for Texas. He was a top 50 guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was good enough to not play for most of the season because of an injury, dust it off, and absolutely drag it all over beautifully our, our Judson uh, Rockets in the playoffs. Like, that felt good for both of us <laughs> for many a reasons, Kyle, but specifically, it's Judson, and we still hate them to this day. And so, like, we, we are not trying to denigrate Hudson Card at all, because nope. if Hudson Card is the guy that trots out there, I, I one, I trust Sark's evaluation yep. and his ability to make that decision. He can yep. make that decision way better than I could. And Hudson Card has an element that, you know, there there is a, there is something to be said about being older and being more mature. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but week two, Big Bad Bama's coming to town, and so <laughs> somebody that's been in started against Arkansas. And yes, the lights were way too bright for him on that, that uh, Saturday day uh but at least he's been there before and i think that's something to be said yeah seeing seeing the size of sec defensive linemen and linebackers um and and and, you know arkansas with players like dalen catalan you know that 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 speed of nfl type defensive backs and 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 how quick you have to get the ball out of your hands and make decisions it's a lot easier to do it uh, in in you know shorts than it is in full pads with a hundred thousand people screaming whether they're your fans or someone else's, um, it, it is a different game and the lights are like you said a little bit uh, brighter and there is something to say with you know you've already been been vetted and been bled and and you have a chance to you know come differently and 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 react to that I think the other thing that doesn't get talked about is Hudson Card was a classified as a dual threat player was a really you know skilled receiver beginning of his high school career before he moved to, to quarterback full-time he 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 is athletic they, they talked about in the offseason that or in their I guess beginning of the offseason that there was some miscommunication on how much they wanted Thompson and Card to, to run the ball when things broke down especially with a younger line that was or a line that was struggling a bit especially in the beginning of the season struggling a lot let's just say it they you know you didn't see the quarterbacks making plays with their feet you think that Card has that in the bag we haven't still really seen it um but you saw it at the high school level you imagine it's there you think there's a little bit more to that than than what Quinn Ewers brings but again I don't think that's what Sark 
singularly prioritizes in his quarterback. So maybe that strength is not it's 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 an, it's a nice uh, extra when you're going across the pros and cons of naming your starter. But I don't think it will be the make or break. But it is you know something to be considered um, again because we're going to talk about the offensive line as we do these previews um, and how critical that will be. And and whoever this quarterback is, it's none of these positions truly um, are siloed, right? You have to talk about them together. But the success of the offensive line will be dependent. It will you know. Uh, basically tell the success of our offense and the success of our passing game and our quarterbacks. Um, but there will be something where quarterbacks are relying on their offensive line, but the success of the offense is also reliant on the quarterback adapting to the offensive line. So sometimes it's quicker read. Sometimes it's getting the ball out. Sometimes it's, it's moving with the pocket when things break down. Um, and, and again, whichever of these two players does that, whether that's the guy with a little bit more college experience and, in, in card or a guy who just has that it, that preternatural, um, thing that you only see every few years of a quarterback who just knows how to get the ball to his guy, at, you know, roll with the pocket, have his arm, you know, half sideways and still get it 40 yards down the field to the guy that you see in Quinn Ewers. So, uh, again, that's that latter bit is why I think it will be Ewers. But most teams in the conference, in the Big 12 today, if they had Hudson Card, the recruit, Hudson Card, the player – would be talking about how great this next guy up is because he was, you know, a well-rated recruit. You know what he can do. He's got the skill set. Um, you know, it, it's not a bad position to be in that you have two guys who both could be really good at their best. Yeah, and I think that's that's the the floor of this conversation. It seems like a lot of the off-season hullabaloo and a lot of the, the transfer portal craziness is for naught if Card trots out there instead of Quinn Ewers. But also, again, most schools in the country, these guys would be in the co- the conversation, the competition, and probably win it. There are, again, you know, you've got your, you know, your CJ Strouds of the world, you've got your Bryce Youngs of the world. Um, and I'm not saying that either of these guys are on that level, but there are a lot of schools that would welcome them with open arms and be very willing, very happy to have either. And I think that's the thing that gets lost in this conversation. Everybody has their favorite. Everybody has their preference. Everybody has their guy. But when push comes to shove, either of these guys, I think, can win games for Texas. And, and like you said, a lot of it hinges on the offensive line. And we're going to talk about blocking, uh, you know, here in a couple weeks. But if this offensive line, if the early reports are are, are to be believed and in, in, in as good as we think they are, then I think either of these guys has the skills to win with what Texas has at the skill position. So that, to me, is kind of the crux of it. But what I want to ask you, this is a fun question uh, to ask, Kyle, is who starts the season as number one and who's going to end of the season as number one you know texas doesn't have an easy schedule this year they really don't when we talk our season preview they, they don't have a ton of easy games even you know utsa is their 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 non-alabama uh non-conference um is not an easy game kansas looks to be better this year there's not really just a game that's you know easy you're going to win by 70 ulm might be that one game all year that they get that truly is easy and so and i I don't say that to disparage but it will be their easiest game let me say it that way and so there there was a prevailing thought during the offseason that maybe you start with card and let the more experienced guy play against bama and then ewers comes in some point after that 
I'm honestly wondering if you don't want to vet your freshman. Like, if it's really going to be yours, and I think the answer to who ends the season as number one is yours, as I've said. If it's going to be him, why not let him have that game where you just get to bully people, where you just get to sling it around, where you just get to hand the ball to your running back sometimes and watch him scamper for 40 yards and make it easy on you and just get that feeling of, of winning at the University of Texas, of you know thousands of fans in Austin cheering you on. Why not give that to to the freshmen? So I, I will go against a bit of the conventional wisdom here and say, I think both of these may be Quinn Ewers. I'm not too far away from you on that, Kyle. I am a, I hate the quarterback shuffle. I hate the idea of like a sacrificial lamb at the start of the season. I think that's stupid. Uh, but that's just, again, it robs a guy of potential confidence that they may need later in the season. And it also uh, just feels like a, if you don't trust your guy to, to play against Alabama, then why do you trust him to play against OU, right? That's that that's the weird thing about that conversation to me. is like, if I don't trust him against Alabama, then I shouldn't trust him any other week of the year. And, and again, it's a unique situation, and, and Sark is in a, in a position uh, an unenviable position, I'll say, uh, to have to make this decision. But when push comes to shove, like, pick a horse and ride it. Like, that dance with the one that brung you, like, whatever platitude or coach coach speak you want to use, that's my thought on it. And so, you know, I'm with you, Kyle. I think, in, in a lot of ways, I think it seems almost some gamesmanship where Texas probably, Sark probably has a really good idea of who the guy is going to be, but can't tip his hand, doesn't want to tip his hand, and I don't blame him for tip, not tipping his hand. Uh, and especially, Hudson Card's not going to be the guy to do the midseason transfer situation. He's just not he's not yeah. that dude. Uh, but again, as a as a coach who's trying to create the, the right culture and the right environment for your players, like I understand why uh, they're going to let it ride out. And, and again, who knows? Maybe they don't know yet. Maybe they still are trying to vet it. Uh, and if that's the case, then again, I hope we get it figured out early because that number one guy needs to be able to step into that leadership role and step into uh, his uh, his job early and establish himself as the alpha dog in the locker room. Yeah, and Sark talked about it, right? Like with with quarterback being one of the the hardest positions to play, but also if you have, and he was kind of talking, it was the question was about Arch Manning, but I think about quarterbacks in general and how he views the position that uh, a quarterback can be a leader, can be a, a force within your team to pull people two things to pull them to their best self it can it, you know your who the quarterback is sets a lot of the tone he said it's the most position important position in sports set the tone for who your team is and so um again you probably with either of these guys who are admittedly both pretty young right with with the level of experience you're going to take some lumps with with either of them you, you kind of want to make sure that like gerald said you you know who that guy is who you want it to be in your ideal state and you roll with them a bit and you and you it's not only confidence like you talked about beating a team that, you know, or, or going and, and asserting your will against a team that you're just more talented than. Sure, that's one type of confidence, but it's the confidence against a really good team when you make a mistake because you're a freshman that you're still the guy and we're going to we're going to roll through this because we know what it can be at the end. So for that reason, again, for that school of man management, um, I think it makes sense, like Gerald said, and, and I, I know we're supposed to disagree vehemently for, like, good podcast audio uh, dict- Hashtag dictates. Content. That's right. Um, you know, Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith have taught us nothing, Gerald, but... Uh, I'm Skip, right? Uh, I'm Shannon Sharp, I think. If it's if yours is your guy and you know that, say it, it you know, some point between now and... Right, right before we play our first game and, and say it with your <laughs> chest and mean it and and say exactly what I think Sark will say. We have Quinn has is, is done everything right. Card's done nothing wrong. It's his job 
uh, to lose, but we're very confident in the guy we have backing him up that he can come in at a moment's notice and win his football games. And I think he believes that, um, that he has two good quarterbacks. And, and I think that's that's what you say, but you give all the faith in the world to your guy and you ride with him. Say it with your chest. That's all I've got to say. But we'll find out soon, hopefully, question mark, you know, fingers crossed, who the guy is. Uh, we'll, we're going to continue talking through these positions and these positional battles. Next week, we're going to talk not necessarily positional battle, uh, but just bask in the embarrassment of riches that is running backs next week. Uh, and that'll be uh, the cadence for the rest of the summer. So excited to bring that to you. Kyle, I, I'm I'm sad that it happened while you were gone, but we started talking season. Uh, you were you were over there talking with an accent. Meanwhile, uh, Mike Gundy was over here talking with an accent and talking <laughs> with some salt. Um, Mike Gundy's commitment to just being a salty, salty loser, uh, even when he wins, is just just second to none. Um, Big 12 media days have come and gone at the end of last week. Uh, Brent Venables learned that it's hard to land colloquialisms <laughs> about fire hose uh, or, or public services or whatever. Uh, but but there's a lot to talk about. And I think the big story, a lot of it came out of the early days when uh, new Big 12 commissioner Brent Yomark, uh, I'm not going to have to say that hopefully for too much longer based on what he said, but uh, he basically said that Texas and, and OU are in, in the conference are looking for a win-win win exit you know greg sankey uh at sec media days the week after basically said that texas and, and ou joining the sec earlier than 2025 is not up to me that's up to the relationship between oklahoma texas and the big 12 and, and it seems like again with with, with Brett, the new man in charge, uh, seems to have less of a personal vendetta against Texas and OU than the outgoing Big 12 commissioner probably, and very understandably does. They publicly very much pantsed him. So it seems like this this win-win talk, I said it in the BOL, uh, BON roundtable, but it seems like if Texas and OU can find the money to get out, then this new conference leadership is, is willing to, to entertain the idea of letting them go early. Yeah, I mean, you bring a businessman in and – Without the history, I think, attached to it, it yeah, I think it can be a win-win. It can be something that works for everyone. I think that means money for the Big 12 and, and freedom for, for Texas and OU. It was interesting to watch SEC Media Days after Big 12 Media Days and, and see everyone very carefully let's say, like, yes, we're excited for Texas and OU on July 25th 2025 or whatever the date is um but like very clearly parrot that the the lawyers have told them we're, we will not say anything specifically about what sec is doing and of course you know espn not doing anything behind the scenes either to, to make that happen but i i do think that it makes more sense they've they've announced the date of you know the other schools joining the big 12 it's it's they, there's it's a breakup where you're still living in your you know your, your girlfriend's house like it's awkward for everyone. I don't care how good of friends you think you are. It's weird. The relationship has changed. No one really wants to be here. Can we settle up on the money and just go our separate ways, right? Like, it's 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 a bit awkward. I wonder if it will hasten uh, the exit if somehow OU and Texas both make the Big 12 championship game this year, and uh, and and then they either just want to kick us out out of anger, or they make us stay until you know take the the title away from Bret Hart. Uh, the, the the Montreal screw job like Vince McMahon did so I you know mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know I, there, there's some wheels within wheels here uh, but I truly I, I truly think everyone wants this 
to work. Big 12 wants to survive after this. Everyone knows they're going to the SEC. It's just a matter of when, earlier, the better. And again, if, if we can be civil about it and, and be realistic about it, I hope that means um, sooner rather than later, right? We're going into the 2022-23 season. You know, maybe the, the 23-24 season is realistic. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it, it was interesting. It was a cloud hanging over Big 12 media days. It felt like every person had to answer something about it at some point. Uh, obviously, the Texas and OU folks did. Good filibuster by Venables. I think he only answered two questions in 30 minutes. The man just just filibustered and talked, didn't let people ask him questions. And honestly, bravo. Great show. Good with it. Yeah, great show for him. But uh, yeah, interesting, I think, is, is how I'll leave it. I, I don't know that I came away with brand new information based on that, but it is interesting, and I think probably a little bit... Um, a little bit easier path ahead. Yeah, and, and again, you never really walk away with a ton of new information from Big 12 Media Days. Again, Brent Venables, how he feels about fire hoses and that um, OU quarterback Dion Gabriel uh, is Jenna <laughs> Gabriel's cousin. Um, that's we, Those are the two new things I learned. You know, we got DeMarvin Overshone confirming that he's going to see more play as, as an edge rusher, and we learned that the Big 12 uh, rules and the rule changes for this upcoming year are dumb as they always are. <laughs> like, there's not a ton that we, we got outside of the that, that first day in the, the conference conversation. Uh, yeah, except that, that you know, uh, Gundy and Campbell are our two most tenured coaches, and they both are – trying to compete with each other for, you know, looking the most like a pair of leather pants for skin. Just I, very I tanned. Expected you to, I expected you to say tenured and tanured. I think that would have been a good way to go with it, Kyle. I'm honestly upset that you missed it. Let's run that one back. Mike Gundy and Matt Campbell are the Big 12's two most tenured and tanured head coaches. That's right. Um, no, that you, you, you got me there, Gerald. I, I missed an opportunity. But, yeah, they, they both have that golden – orangish glow uh about them uh and again that's before spending the the camp that's coming soon outdoors and then uh games in the in the scalding sun uh, at 11 a.m kickoffs especially um gundy seemed angry campbell seemed happy to be there uh <coughs> patterson not being there is weird yeah i mean it's a young conference with a bunch of or young coaches i guess a lot of turnover a lot of new faces uh joey mcguire you see Leopold is not the new guy anymore at kansas he actually got to be there this year it's uh it's it's interesting Kleiman's kind of a, a quasi old head now at kansas state it's an interesting group the conference um you know interesting makeup this year i don't know that anyone is is super elite aranda is an incredible coach we know that um but outside of baylor we don't really know who maybe the second best team is i think there's a lot of parody um and, and i don't think anyone really like you said unveiled too much it was just a rah rah our team's great here's some good guys to talk to and it, it just like it is every year you find out a little bit but not really much of, of anything everybody had a great off season they put on good weight or they lost good weight um we we were very competitive increased comp- competition now we can talk about offensive linemen putting on weight at texas that's right how, how does it how does a kid that come in came in at 360 add weight that's a long conversation to have um are you talking about cam williams Cam Williams. Cam Williams went came, from 360 to 374. He came in at 380. He lost six pounds. What? Yeah, he actually has chiseled down to a svelte 374, apparently. Uh, I don't remember who's... I apologize, Cam. I, change, I, I take it back. Yeah, I, the, just 
maybe like sorry leonard davis and, and others like maybe the biggest human who's ever walked through uh the texas football like vaunted halls like just a he's a, up there a large man the, the fact that like dj campbell at 6'3 321 and malik agbo at 6'6 337 aren't getting you know much sniff uh, uh, when the roster dropped as it as it did this week, because everyone is laser focused on six seven three seventy four for an eighteen year old, just nuts. Those are that's hashtag puppy. Big humans. He's still a puppy. Big humans. So we'll obviously keep you up to date with all, any news that comes of that, but not a lot to to talk about uh, outside of it. But again, Bijan Robinson said that he tried to make a joke with Kelvin Banks, and Kelvin Banks gave him kind of a mean mug and, and said, "Hey, I'm here to lift." Um, and that, my friends, gave Gerald the warm fuzzy butterflies. And so we'll continue to keep you up to date with all of the comings and goings of the Big Twelve and everything that's going on. Uh, with Texas. So that's part of the show where we talk a lot of baseball and we down <laughs> the 40. So Texas had count of six players taken within the first 10 rounds of the MLB draft. Texas has had a player drafted uh, every year since 1957, uh, but had a whopping number. We talked about it. The roster is going to look very different next year and uh if again if you're if you're new to the podcast you have nine guys on the baseball diamond and a smooth six of them were selected now not all of them have to go to the professionals they can choose to come back to school but uh there's some guys that that definitely will take the money and run and i do not blame them at all. Ivan Melendez uh, was the first player off the board for Texas, obviously the number 43 pick overall uh, by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He uh, slotted to to make a, a cool $1.8 million, not too bad. Pete Hansen comes off the board for the Cardinals, uh, 97th overall Silas Ardwan by the Orioles in the fourth round. Doug Hodo by the Orioles again. To, uh, the city of Baltimore loves them, some Longhorns. Trey Faltini by the Cincinnati Reds with pick number 213. And Murphy Staley to the Washington Nationals with pick 291. I really like that uh, the kid, as I knew growing up, was Ken Griffey Jr., who ended his career uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. And now the kid, Sammy Faltini, uh, will be starting his career with those same Reds. Some symmetry there. I'm really looking forward to Faltini's career. I think his glove is going to get him to the big leagues, uh, without a doubt. If he can get his hitting going, he's he's got a, a sleeper to, to have the longest career out of anyone uh, on this list. I think Silas getting his hitting up this year really, really, you know, the fact that he, we almost had three top 100 picks he was um 107 but um you know the the fact that he was hitting like he was to go with being one of the best defensive catchers um and, and you know we knew what Melen- melendez was i think hansen to the cardinals is really good fit like they're gonna love a guy who just throws strikes and has some plus stuff like he'll i think he'll do well in that organization these guys will get traded they'll be in different teams they won't all end up with their teams that drafted them but um i think it makes sense on a lot of these the orioles hadn't picked a longhorn in like I think it's 2004 or something like that, and they just went big. They had uh, two, two Longhorns back-to-back, and they also drafted a, uh, a Texas signee uh, as well, so three Longhorns there. But, um, yeah, just, I mean – Really, really good. That 83 draft class, that's the Roger Clemens, you know, draft class. That's that's a really good team um, that, that had, you know, 
won some college world series in their time. So the, 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 you're talking about a pretty historic level of, of talent and depth, uh, on this one. So really, really excited for those guys. Um, Hodo, I think, you know, defense and speed always pay the bills. He'll be a, a good developmental project who I think, you know, has some good upside can be, it can be a, a, a pretty, pretty everyday or rotational guy for a team. You heard it here first. Kyle compared the career trajectory of Ivan Melendez to Roger Clemens. So uh, Texas also had four of its signees selected in the MLB draft. Cutter Coffee was taken number 41 by the Boston Red Sox. Henry Bolte, 56 by the Oakland A's. Brenner Cox, number 111. And Wyatt Cheney, pitcher was selected 287 by the Baltimore Orioles. Again, not all these guys have to go pro, but that's up to them. Uh, Jared Thomas has already announced that he will play for the Horns. Teams were worried that he wasn't going to sign and end up going to college anyway, so they decided not to draft him, which I completely understand. Um, It would be nice to have multiple of these guys, but I would I would bet any amount of money that Coffee and Bolte are gone and Brenner is probably gone as well. Yeah, Brenner Brenner said actually that before the draft he had a pre draft agreement with the Nationals he was always going. So he's one that it was it was done uh done deal beforehand. But yeah, I think probably those three guys for sure. I think Cheney has a good chance to come back. Um interesting thing was today it would also seem like they were hitting the recruiting trail, but not just for the next class. You saw some guys who are like 24, 25, I think I even saw 26 numbers that I'm not comfortable with um, <laughs> announcing some recruitments. So Pierce, we know he overhauled the staff. He, he went in depth and talked about kind of his philosophy and why he did it and how he did it. And we know it's it's a big rebuild year. There's a lot of flux in, and, you know, this year we'll have a lot to say about the, the coming next few years. But it sounds like, I mean, there was at least five or six recruits uh, across a couple classes that that came in um, during the draft as well. So they're, they're not only seeing guys, and maybe they're using the draft to, to sell it, but seeing guys at the next level, but they're preparing for the future as well. Speaking of the future, USC transfer right-handed pitcher Charlie Hurley is going to be part of that future. 6-8 was a weekend starter and could potentially be a weekend starter for Texas uh, this coming season uh, as they look for some answers in that rotation. Yeah, he joins his catcher at USC, Garrett Gilmette, who already committed. Uh, to the horns um, he was their Sunday starter for most of the year um, but really was their most effective starter we saw that this year with Lucas Gordon at times being that for Texas um, but was uh, you know especially in the first half of the season really uh, really effective um, good stuff uh, again I think really projects well to a weekend starter for Texas a name you'll be hearing Charlie Hurley and again I, I love a big picture a big picture um, six eight. Uh, 6'8", get that downhill fastball action, you Randy Randy Johnson style. I, I'm excited to see what the kids got. Texas needs arms. Texas needs answers, and there's one for you. David David Pierce flipped from Texas Tech. Feels good to say that. Uh, 2022 second baseman slash uh, shortstop Cade O'Hara from Texas Tech. Nice to uh, one again add some uh, add something to the field and also steal something from Texas Tech. Yeah, and, and fans of, of my vintage will remember his older brother, Michael Torres, who played in field for Texas, I think graduated in 09, somewhere around there. But um, So you keeping the familial, and also, again, it's it's when you have a guy like Jace Young being a top 15-ish pick uh, and, and you flip that position from Tech, you like it. You like that, that Tech's done pretty good evaluating infield guys, and uh, it could be, could be a good pickup for, for Texas. And again, just 
in every sport since tech has just been mouthing off it's it's always fun just to just to, to hush him for a minute always always feels good to just just tell him to shut up but that my friend brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week gerald i have a quick one I'm going to give that to you. I don't know if you saw it, but Team USA won the 2022 World Games gold medal. It's third consecutive of, of, of those. Um, they beat Japan, their new softball rival. Um, to the softball, of course. Three to two. Gerald, do you know who drove in all three of the runs for that team? Janae Jefferson. That's Janae Jefferson with bases loaded. Boom. Uh, a, a base clearing double to bring in all three of the runs, which won the gold. So just really excited for Janae Jefferson. Very, very cool um, thing to see there. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is Sark. We talked about Big 12 Media Days. He talked a lot. Uh, I was also the Texas High School Coaching Association this week. So between the two, there have been a lot of clips going around. It, it, the it, THSCA Sark talked a bit about how he was in favor uh, of expanded college football playoff. I thought made a, a relatively good point there. But the thing that I, I liked, he was talking about, I believe it was Xavier Worthy. Uh, he was asked in his breakout session kind of about the offseason reporting that um, – that Worthy was was recruited effectively by other schools after he had the incredible freshman year he did on a five and seven team uh, to go elsewhere with with big sums of money. You know, uh, you, you heard what Jordan Addison um, was offered at USC. Don't know necessarily that the financing has, has gone through, um, but big numbers. And it seems like Xavier Worthy also was probably offered some big numbers. And so they asked if Sark was a fan of NIL. And I liked his answer. He said, I'm a fan of NIL. It's, it's you know, ultimately the player's benefit. Worthy's a heck of a player. Of course, people are going to try to use NIL to entice him to go there, right? He said, I was recruiting him for eight years before college. We've got a special bond. But the point that he made, I think, to close it was interesting. He said, everyone thinks it's all about money right now. But relationships still matter. I pride myself on being a relationship-based coach. I know dollars matter, too. I'm not naive to that. With player development, connection to the players, knowing you're supporting them in every aspect of their lives still matters. And this was echoed when Arch Manning's coach uh, this week talked about Arch's recruitment. And he said there was nothing that, you know, Texas came in and, and swayed a mind. They didn't negative recruit at all. They didn't, you know, wasn't something that they said that was so revolutionary no one else had thought of. It was purely relationship. Coach Milwee, Coach Sark came in and they recruited the whole athlete. They recruited the player the human, the son, the person, the person with interest outside of just football. They came in and rec recruited him as a human being, and that was ultimately what swayed Arch to Texas was Sark, the relationship, and the fact that he treated him like humans. We know Sark has gone on record in the past, and we had Connor Stroh's family talking about how great it was and how they wanted their son to commit to Texas because Sark talked about kind of the uh, mental health and wellness of his players. Like, if that's who Steve Sarkeesian is, then I hope he wins all the games so he gets to stay at Texas. But it makes me proud nonetheless that he's my football coach. And I love to hear that. I love that's the ethos. I love that that's what they're selling with the University of Texas. And I said this in, in the BON roundtable, like, Sark's ability to like, or his level of self-awareness is pretty, 
uh, pretty impressive, and uh, he always seems to be able to diagnose and, and read the people side of things and understand all those things. Uh, here's hoping he can fix them or continue to keep them moving in the right direction, but uh, that level of self-awareness is absolutely impressive. So I'm banging the drum this week on the pre-snap youth football camp at Westlake High School, July 18th and July 20th. It's $100 per spot. Um and I, th- that's just me giving a dumb intro to NIL is great. I love NIL. I love the player's ability to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness to do things like host a football camp in Austin. Uh, so you've got Roshan Johnson, Hudson Carr, Luke Brockermile, Charles Wright, Michael Taffy, the GOAT Michael Taffy, Anthony Cook, Gunnerhelm, and Jaden Alexis all at Westlake High School hanging out with kids and teaching them football and like... I, as, as somebody who feels like he was born to be like a middle school football coach or to be like a peewee football coach, like this stuff is so cool. And, and players being able to do this and charge for it and, you know, capitalize on like there's nothing more Austin and more Texas than the University of Texas players going and hanging out with kids. And, uh, you know, even if they're being paid for it, that's what football camps are. Uh, but like getting your fourth grader an opportunity to go hang out with Roshan Johnson for an afternoon and like play a little football. Like that's, that's super cool. Um, and it feels almost like that scene in the Friday night lights TV show or the movie, uh, where they, they go and hang out with the, the youth football kids and play with them. And like their video of like Roshan teaching the kids how to properly hold the football. And then he's like grabbing them and talking send them around there's some videos on on twitter it's just incredible and like nil gets a lot of bad a lot of bad press and for for a lot of good reasons it gets a lot of bad press but like this is the kind of stuff that nil allows and nil should be allowing and i'm absolutely uh 100 excited that this stuff will continue to happen Nick roshan is is without a doubt one of the coolest kids uh at texas right now and, and has in the past few years love that guy love that these opportunities present themselves and again gerald you're spot on right. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter.France at Kyle Carpentier. Uh, you can find me on British Twit. No, I'm kidding. You can find the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook em. Hook em. Retire both Melendez and Janae Jefferson's number. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.